Hello everybody and welcome to we have actually have some prep hashed podcast where <laughs> obviously we prepare our episodes so we have something to talk about. Um I don't have how was your week? Uh, <laughs> how was your how was your, your week, Jeff? <laughs> no, I'm not going to answer that. Oh, you, you really want to know? Is that the prep? Uh, my week was uh, no. I, I was trying to find a bug in a, in a, in a program. For the entire week, on a Zebedee feed. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it it appears uh, we're we're actually playing StarCraft now with a group of people. What what's going on over there? Who are these people? Well, you are one of these people, and I am the other one. No, there are some other people. <laughs> what happened was that uh, that guy UTXO he, he made a post. On Oscar about like he posted a screenshot of the first StarCraft, uh, a screen from the StarCraft game, and I commented there and said it was the best game, something like that. And he he wanted to play me. I played the one against him, and then he said there was some there was some some other guy interested in playing, and I also knew another two guys that were interested in playing, so we made a Telegram group, and now we apparently we have matches almost every day and they're casted live for the yeah. entire world to see they're very amazing very bad matches but <laughs> it's almost as popular as this podcast which <laughs> is like it's about starcraft so obviously it's very popular <laughs> um okay so if you if you like to play starcraft uh brute war uh then I don't know. Contact via Jeff. Yeah, uh, one way or another. Yeah, we and, may we, uh, come join the group. Yeah, we we make a, a special prize for you, listeners of this podcast, to to be able to join the group. <laughs> special prize, special <laughs> prize for you, my friend. Okay. Um. So, I I heard you you prepared like uh, fifteen topics for this episode. No, you did. I, I don't have oh. any topics at all. I I. I even didn't want to record this, this episode today, but you had you said you have a lot of topics, so I can't imagine what topics were. Nothing happened. Okay, so uh, well, okay, so I've uh, I, I've two topics and they're they're aligned, mm. and the the first one is that I uh, so we're we're we sort of went moon, uh, well the price went up a bit <laughs> and. <laughs> Apparently, there's all this. Uh, the institutions, the institutional money is coming, right? We have BlackRock, and I don't know what the fuck's going on. Well, um, there's anyway, Intel, Intel too, right? As a, according to the last update. Yes, and and, <laughs> and the Intel is uh, going in heavy into Bitcoin. Um, no, so I started wondering. It's like, okay, uh, let's assume that we're going to have another bull market. Let's say in a year or something after the halving. Um, or in one and a half year. Uh, I, I was thinking we years, should like whatever. we should revive the that that chart structure flow. I think it will work now. We should. <laughs> <laughs> this time is different. <laughs> um, no, but I I so le assuming that we're going to have like another uh, uh, bull period and all the craze that that's going on with it. I I wanted to ask you. It's like, what do you think is different? Um, what what is going to be different this time as opposed to last time 
from a Bitcoin development perspective. Because and the reason I'm asking is uh, I, I think I see two things. I think um, the multi-sig stuff has matured to a point where I think it's going to have some broader adoption this time. Uh, and I also think that Lightning has matured where it's going to have some uh, more broader impact or it's going to be a bigger phenomena than it was last time. And I was just wondering how you, uh, what you think about that. Multisig. Yeah, well, I think when I started following Bitcoin, there were already multisig. Multisig was already a thing that was doable for normal people. But yeah, I think it has improved. There are more wallets, and but it don't, I don't see this huge improvement. Like maybe it's more widespread, but marginally. Uh, there's also like <laughs> I don't know the lighting stuff. So I, I started following Bitcoin more closely in 2018 because because of lightning. So lightning is already a very old technology. So I, and. After lighting, I don't see people getting excited about any other thing. Basically, like it's just like some basic things, but not some huge ways of transacting or anything like that. So I don't see what has changed. No, no I don't think that many many things have changed. Uh, but the it's different, right? I mean, lightning. Okay, so you technically what, what, had what, lightning what in was 2018. The last, what was the last uh, bull market? I think we. If you're talking about 2020, when, when was that? Like we went for from three thousand to sixty thousand. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, that was 2020. I think. Well, so I'll, I'll I'll look it up. I think it was 2021. Yeah. Um, could do that. But, well, like, the thing with lightning is. Um, I don't know, I think with... Okay, so I've been going to Bitcoin meetups for many years now, right? Um, and we've had a Bitcoin meetup where you pay entrance your entrance fee with Lightning and you can pay your beers with Lightning for many years. I think since 2019-ish, something like that. Uh, so let's say we've been doing that for four years now. Mm -hmm. um, but there... You can't just say it's like okay, we, you you have lightning as a technical possibility. The thing it, it's a network on its own, like it's this liquidity network. It requires a lot of infrastructure, mm -hmm. and a lot of that infrastructure has is now it has been built at least, and it stands right and is functional. Payments aren't failing as much anymore. Uh, there generally are routes. There is liquidity in the network. I don't know about that. Um, I don't know about that. I think they're working for the for the the big providers. And, and so my experience has yes, been, but those has are been the shitty. Oh, and, and like, yeah, it's it's working for people that dedicate their lives to their nodes, which are very low people, very few people. In I think it was more some years ago. Okay, but and how also many, how many people do you think? How many people do you think had an interaction with Lightning last bull market? I don't know. I don't know, but I think most people will interact with via some custodian. And yeah, and for the custodians, it's working. It's working fine, I think. Right, but that was the point, right? They, they, they're 
I don't care if they're downloading Wallet of Satoshi, they are going to use... I I think they probably are going to use Lightning. Yeah, um, yeah. But that's not the... some the, uh, exposure yeah. to it. I think that's going to be on, a, on another level as opposed to last time, which was in 2021, by the way. Okay, so it was not long ago. Okay. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you said you had two topics. <laughs> yes. Okay. And the other one is that I, uh, I, I did some napkin math um, <laughs> that I wanna that I wanna discuss here with you. Well, maybe I can understand um, the last the last time you sent me the the math was it was fun. I didn't understand it at all. Okay, so uh, something that we've um, uh, we've been talking about on this podcast uh, uh, a bunch of times is the stuff about the on-chain fees and the fact that you need a certain amount of Satoshis, that every transaction that you're going to do on-chain requires a certain amount of Satoshis just in order to justify the, the fees if there are actually fees, right? So in a low-fee environment, none of this stuff really matters, but as soon as... Uh, there is some congestion on chain. You get this this so-called fee market, and then fees go up. And uh, what actual impact does that have? And I, I did some napkin math on that to figure out. It's like okay, um, just taking some assumptions and see how that works out. So um, I didn't do a, a very thorough full analysis. There is this website that. Um, gives you a distribution of the UTXO set as like what percentage uh, has like uh, a thousand Bitcoin and uh, like a hundred Bitcoin and 10 Bitcoin and one Bitcoin and then 0. Uh, uh, 0. So you didn't do it in your own node? No, 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 no. I just took that table. So it, it, it's a table and it has like this distribution and uh, I thought oh, like this is this is an easy start, right? I can just put this in Excel and just do some math on it. And so I looked at the at these UTXO sizes and I looked at what the uh, V-byte uh, contribution is in a transaction of the inputs. And I started out with some, with some basic assumptions and I just assumed that it would be a taproot spend. So that's the most efficient way of spending. And I only looked at the input side. So there are a couple of components to a transaction where, where the fee bytes are going. So you have some overhead and uh, every input needs to account for a couple of, uh, of V bytes. And with a taproot spend, I think that's 57, 57 uh, sets per V byte or 57 uh, V bytes. Um, in any case, I just looked at what, what would be like the most efficient way to spend uh, uh, a UTXO in a transaction and that it only has to account for its own, it, it, it only being there as an input. So all the other V bytes that, has to, uh, that have to be paid for are, you are going they to be exist. paid with other inputs. Okay, hmm? I see. Um, just to see, okay, where is the lower bound, right? Because that's what that was was looking for. It's like let's first see where the where the lower bound is. Uh, so I assumed like the most efficient thing, and then 
you only have to account for it being there, etc. Mm -hmm. And then I looked at like, okay, uh, what would happen in terms of like the dust limit when fees start actually rising? And I got this number um, of 173 uh, sets per V-byte, where at 173 sets per V-byte, 50% of over 50% of all the UTXOs in the system are very significantly significantly impacted. Where um, so if you get to that number, Bitcoin dies. Is that what you're saying? No, 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 no. So because in terms of how many in in terms of how much BTC it actually accounts for, it's uh, it's not that lot. It's not that much, right? It's very little actually. Mm -hmm. Let me just get the get the thing. I should have. I should have. Because I said it was prep, so I should have actually prepared it. <laughs> <laughs> obviously, obviously I did. Let me open the sheet. Um, so I actually have the numbers. How much? How uh, long does it take for Excel to open? In seconds. No, it's, it's so it's okay. It's okay. Um, there we go. Yeah, it was a real question. All right. Because I was seeing. A, uh, uh, oh yeah, we're, maybe maybe we can discuss that, that later. <laughs> You follow my Twitter. Um, so we have, <laughs> yes. Uh, oh, it wasn't fifty percent. It's close though. Um, oh no, it actually is. So there is um, at one hundred seventy-three sets per V-byte. If that was the fee you would have to pay on average, let's say, or minim minimally, um, then twenty-six, twenty-six and a half percent of all the UTXOs are become completely unspendable because the value of the fee is higher than mm -hmm. the, uh, the uh, what the sets that are actually containing the, those UTXOs. Those UTXOs are very, very small though. Um, yeah, why these things exist? These people should die, people who make these small UTXOs. And a lot of these are, uh, a lot of these are lighting channels being closed. Uh, without anyone wanting them too close. Not, not a lot of these, but some of these at least. Okay. It's too small to be a lightning channel. No, it's not. We're talking about... No, I, uh, we're talking about... Um, how many sets is this? So this is a, a thousand sets and 10,000 sets. Yeah, I had I had channels yeah. closing with these amounts only. Okay, and yeah, that's really silly. Because of so my, I because I wanted them. I, there's no further analysis on this, but like one of the one of the steps of further analysis could be is like, okay, what are these types of UTXOs? Are they uh, change? Yeah, that's uh, that's a good idea. Outputs yeah. or um, what what's actually going on here? And so these are very very low amounts, and they only account for uh, a total of what what is that? Let's say forty five BTC. <laughs> So it's only 45 BTC in total, right? <laughs> Even though it's like 50% or like, yeah, or, um, 26% of the no. audio TXOs account for these very small no, it's amount less. of BTC. Okay, wait, 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 I said it wrong. I said it wrong. Our, our to... listeners are uh, turning off and skipping ahead. Yes, and they're getting very confused. <laughs> Because I'm saying numbers, right? It's like nobody can follow that. 
it's it's it, like it's negligible in terms of like how much BTC we're actually talking about, but in terms of how many UTXOs there are in the, uh, it, it is a lot. And okay, don't you just say the numbers again? Go to the next metric. Yes, because then then there is like another twenty five percent where it it's like account for ten percent uh, of the uh, fees, or the the fees account for like ten percent of the value of the UTXO. Mm -hmm. Which is still like crazy, uh, crazy a lot, right? Yeah. Um, it 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 really hurts if you're gonna have to spend those UTXOs that you at least lose ten percent. And again, this is assuming like the most efficient. It's not even going to be like that, because yeah. um, none of these uh, none of none of these are like taproot inputs. And you can't very easily plug them all in a single transaction. Mm -hmm. You would have to to do that. Yeah. And the, uh, and they're not even everything. paying for the entire transaction. They're only paying for themselves, right? Yeah, but if you take uh, all of them, put them all in a single transaction, then the, the rest of the overhead becomes negligible. But you can't do that because yeah, each of these true. is a different key for a different person. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and to put that into a more uh, more useful number, is that assuming that the price of Bitcoin is at 100k, that means that uh, this cutoff point of 50% of the UTXOs, that's like $100 per UTXO. And then at $100 per UTXO, you're paying, you're still paying 10% in fees. Yeah. So, and this is where, where it starts to get real, right? Because that means that you, you that's the smallest unit of accounting that you're dealing with is a hundred dollars. Yeah. It's not like I have a hundred dollars in Bitcoin spread in a couple of UTXO. No, you need at least a hundred dollars in a UTXO and then you're still fucked. <laughs> and I don't, I don't know. I don't know how high 173 sats per V byte is, right? It sounds like a lot. Well, it's probably, that's a question a I, lot, I always have. Like if, if the price of Bitcoin goes up, uh, significantly, significantly like against the other goods of the economy shouldn't a smaller set per, per, per byte fee be enough like we don't have to go very much up on the set per byte as long as the bitcoin price increases or do you have to um yes but this, so this is an interesting question so to what extent does it actually relate to the uh, the dollar value of the so like the economic value of Bitcoin uh, or is it purely internal accounting because uh, or like related to itself right so if you have a UTXO of 100 Bitcoin the 173 sats per V byte is still not going to be a lot Regardless if Bitcoin is like worth a million or worth a hundred bazillion trillion, whatever, uh, it it's relative to the size of the in, in first instance it's going to be relative to the size of the UTXO. But um, and that is going to be very much that is going to be probably the biggest factor in it determining the economic value of the transaction that you're doing. So moving. I don't know uh, if you if you're buying if you're buying a house uh, and you want to pay Bitcoin, you pay a fee related to the price of the house, right? 
not not like conscious consciously or clearly, but in general, that's what will guide the amount you're willing to pay. Yes. So if if, if if one Satoshi buys a house, okay. So if one Bitcoin <laughs> buys a house, whatever you, you get away, what I'm saying. Uh huh. But I, I've heard an argument some some time ago about how that was meaningless, and I don't remember the argument, but I think it's wrong. <laughs> yeah. Well, I oh, think I think for now, at least, like every time the 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 Satoshi bites number increased or decreased, it was related to Bitcoin prices moving and people mm-hmm. people wanting to, to to move move Bitcoins to exchanges from exchanges. Right? And yeah, I, th- I agree. And I think that was related to oh I don't know what I'm saying. Okay, go on with your stuff. No, but it's an important point because it this is the impact of like the the hundred dollar uh, per UTXO uh, number that relies on both price and the fee market, and it just so happens that both can move in the against you at the same time. So, um, both the price going up and the fee market going uh, going up can happen at the same time, where in just one instant. A lot of people are going to be shut out, shut out of, or uh, out of the Bitcoin network. And um, <laughs> so, for some reason, Fiat Jeff is recording in a daycare. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, there, are, there are no cars on the street anymore. There are only toddlers on the street. Um, so, in any event. Uh, that can that can happen at the same time uh, so in one instant like your entire global south meme is just destroyed because no fucking way in hell like normal people eat I think a hundred dollars for like what meme a minimal I did, I did never did accounting. any meme using these words global south I think <laughs> no not you it's, I'm not talking about your your meme but the the listener the general people the <laughs> The, the Twitter space stuff. <laughs> the ethereal they. Yeah. Um, well, these people uh, don't know, but they need drive chain. <laughs> this, was, this was not planned here as an excuse to start talking about drive chains. Um, uh, or no, not yet, at least. Um, so, but yeah the theme market itself is uh is is interesting because but uh, what do you say about people that you say that oh, lightning fixes this like you can't you, can, you should put all these utxos on lightning well if, if you if you do then that now instead of waiting uh, then you should do that and all your life will be saved your money is safe because your utxos are on lightning and you can move them forever without paying about any fee at all Basically. So yes, so there there are two things here. So um, on the one hand, stuff like Lightning uh, puts off a little bit of the pressure of the on-chain demand, right? Um, yeah. That's assuming that you're doing the type of transactions you would otherwise do on-chain. 
I don't know how much of the volume on uh, on Lightning actually accounts for those types of transactions. I think it's like a lot of far smaller transactions. And there, it's like you're you're cheating like a little bit of a trust model there. Something we've discussed already. Um, but ultimately, it's not going to save you in the fact that your channel size still has to be big enough, right? Mm -hmm. You're still going to have to do the proverbial $100 UT $100 UTXO size thing and still pay 10% and, uh, yeah, and all that stuff. Yeah, I think people who did that um, today before the fees go up too much. And then yes, okay, but that then that's like one half. And then the other half is when you have to close it and you're still going to have to pay. You never close it. Yes, but if you never close it, then it's bullshit. <laughs> Why? It's not. Because the no, because because the guarantees okay, okay, I see, I see, are, I see, I see. are based on the fact that you actually able, are able to go on chain. Well, so the, the, the points some people will make is that you're going to pay a fee that is like 10%. Uh, but if you do a million transactions and then you pay 10%, what was actually the, the, the average fee you paid in each transaction? Yes, so the so then you can discount the fee over all those bazillion transactions. That's true, but you're still, the, it doesn't negate the fact that when you are doing the transaction, you're still going to have to the size of the UTXO still needs to account for the fee. So it only optimizes those who can pay the fee in the first place. Yeah. You need to meet the threshold first, and when you meet the threshold, then you can, then stuff like Lightning optimizes your uh, your dealings, but you still need, meet, need to meet the threshold. Um, so that's that's what's going on over there. Yeah. And with the with the fee market, it's like. Um, by the way, by the way, never, I, don't 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 do that. If you have a small UTXO, don't open a Lightning channel now and wait for the fee by fee, the fee rate to to go up because your Lightning channel will close next week against your will. <laughs> You're just gonna pay fees to the miners <laughs> and not gonna get any yeah. money. Uh, yeah. But if you open a channel to um, the miner. And then everything is trans <laughs> already going to him anyway, so you can use you can use that to, to, to pay the to pay stuff through the miner, and when you get no more, more no more fees on the channel, you just let it close and it will pay everything everything will go to fees. Um, with in regards to the in regards to the fees, so. The bidding war, uh, the resolution of the bidding war can go very low um, or high. Sorry, the resolution can go very high. And this is also this is something we've already seen in uh, relation to the fee market in 2017. Um, the steps that it made in terms of like the sets per VBind, it was very crude, right? We went up to like uh, the bidding war the overbidding went really fast and like wallets like okay uh i'm just going to do like 10 set sets per v byte more or i'm just going to double it or whatever 
uh, was really weird wallet behavior. And then you get like these really high fee spikes. Mm -hmm. And if you compare it with the fee market of the uh, last bull run, uh, the uh, amount of um, V bytes in the mempool, let's say, was similar, but the uh, sets per V byte price, the price that people paid was way lower because the bidding war was far more efficient. And you can, this bidding war can get like almost infinitely efficient. It can't because you still have like some resolution you have to account for. Um, but you can, you don't have to bid up in terms of one set per V byte. You don't have to, like if somebody pays one set per V byte, the next step isn't two sets per V byte. The next step is paying one set more than the other dude, not one set per V byte, just one single set. Yeah. So that, so it's not, it's not going in steps of one set per V byte. It's going in steps of 1.00001 set per V byte, let's say. Um, so, uh, that can be a lot more efficient. The problem is that what is actually accounting for the congestion and so there are different user groups and let's say we have uh, the the big whales big whale user group and those are the people just that use bitcoin to move large sums of money you're not going to price those people out of out of the uh, out of the chain right because they're able to pay whatever um and then you have these different types of user groups and then we do get back to this that it relates to some like the economics the the actual dollar value let's say or the economic value of what you're moving and what people are willing to pay um if the large let's so let's just for the sake of argument say that uh the people who move large amounts of money account for already 100 percent of the on-chain capacity Mm -hmm. then they'll just move the, the fee rate to whatever uh, the number is that nobody else is bothered to use the chain anymore. They can just keep it m moving it upwards. And if they, if they only account for like 50%, then we have like this room of 50% of chain capacity where other people might fight and they do like this bidding war thing and maybe this one user group gets in like a certain percentage or then it's more like fluid but if it's like if there is a user group that doesn't really care about the fees because it's going to be cheap regardless for them then the fees just move up really fast just in order to make sure that all the plebs don't even bother to use it anymore that's why you need right don't say it <laughs> he said it <laughs> No, but I think it's, I think this is, uh, it's, it's like interesting to, uh, to think about. It's going to be more interesting to see. Um, but it just, there in that 50% group of like the UTXOs that I discussed, there's bound to be like a lot of people who are going to be yeah. impacted by this, who are, yeah. who are going to pay like at some point, like 10% or 5%, I think even 1% is still a lot if you have to pay 1% um, in fees. That's still not cheap. So, and it's not, it's not a lot in terms of like the Bitcoin that are accounted in the system, but it, 
it's probably going to be a lot of people that are going to feel this. And it's also going to be probably a lot of those people are completely clueless about this stuff. Yes. That's my assumption, but... Yes, including all the people that are on Twitter saying that lightning fixes <laughs> everything. Yeah. And also people that hate writing. <laughs> they don't know what they're doing. Well. Yeah, so, um, so, so this is my napkin math. Um, so napkin math. Uh, make sure, and, and it, the main takeaway is just make sure that your UTXO size is like at least, uh, what is it, 0 0.01, <laughs> I think. Yeah, I, I, I don't know why people should never do on-chain transactions that small. <laughs> No, but I, I mean, 0 0.01 is not small. It's one, it's one million Satoshis. Yeah. Uh, the, is that a million Satoshis? I guess yeah, a million, a million Satoshis is already too small, I think. People shouldn't do that. They should use a Lightning Custodian. But as a lower bound, right? Yeah, a lower bound, like, that's... that's... J j at, at least a million. But prefer preferably more. Yeah. Though if I because I think if you're going to say that the lower bound is actually zero point one, that's rough, dude. That's a lot of money. So what's the uh, so the zero point zero one? That's now three hundred bucks. Yeah. So a million sets around three hundred bucks. Um, Yeah, that's still a lot of people for a, that's a lot of money for a lot of people. And and that group of 0 0.01 is another 25% of the UTXOs. It's actually 23.5, but whatever. Um, but roughly another quarter. And then the 0 0.1 group, that's about 16% of all the UTXOs. And then it starts to ramp up really uh, go down really fast. Next group is 7 then almost two, and then we go to the 0 0.3, 0 0.03, etc. But the, um, yeah, just make sure that at least it's like a million sets, about 300 bucks right now. Um, that way you're at least sure that you can still spend it. Um, and yeah, you're maybe when fees start to spike, you're going to pay a percent uh, or more. Uh, somewhere between 1% and 10%, who knows. But you're still able to use the system, you haven't actually lost your money, because if it's less, then, yeah, you're wrecked. So that's the public service amount announcement based on the napkin math that I did um, uh, to just get a sense of, of this stuff. Because, as we've mentioned a lot of times in this podcast before, is that whatever scheme there you're using you're still going to have to pay the on-chain fees you cannot get away from that yeah if you want to do some trustless fancy stuff and otherwise you're bound to do something that is at least somewhat custodial yeah which is which is how we should do or we should get direction but yeah <laughs> 
<laughs> it's, that's still custodial to some extent, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if you, you can call it custodial, but <laughs> it's at least not it's at least not as trustless as as like other schemes are, as autonomous and and trustless as other schemes are. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And and of course, right? There are optimizations, and you can batch. Well, we already considered batching. We can do your your calculations are based on, on complete batching, right? Uh, yes, correct. Yeah. Yes, that's true. That's true. Um, if we only had one yes, UTXO, what about that? We only have one UTXO in the entire chain, and we just move that, and we have the um, entire block space. Sheet. Yeah, then it's then it's like double. So then it's like double the V bytes. Um, no, so no. In... <laughs> if we only have one UTX, so we can only make one oh. transaction per block. But then yes. we move that to direction. And then all the transactions happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like the great migration. <laughs> the, the, who's going to pay the miners with what? No, I don't, I don't want to think about that. But. <coughs> I was thinking about these, or maybe, these maybe people that want to do that that, that, that ZK rollups thing. I think they imagine something like that. You have one UTXO moving around, and then you have some ZK magic ensuring that people can withdraw from that. But if they withdraw from that, where are they going to? Like, there's no, there's nothing. Yeah, that's that. Yes, but if you take things to the extreme, they become silly really fast, right? Yeah. So. But just just to just to give you some idea, it's like okay, just paying for your own input. That's seventy-five, uh, or sorry, fifty-seven and a half uh, fee bytes. Um, the output is forty-three, and the overhead is ten point five. So it's a hundred and eleven total. That's the most optimal uh, type of transaction you can, uh, the smallest type of transaction you can do, currently. Is 111. Uh, okay, I think I think I, I I am already getting lost with all these numbers, so I think people are already not listening. Okay, just make sure you have <laughs> your your minimal UTXO size is at least a million satoshis. That's the point. Yeah. All right, and if it's not, if it's not, you don't belong on chain. <laughs> yeah. Bitcoin's not for you, right? Okay, maybe BTC the accounting number thing might be for you. You can use uh, you download wallets of Satoshi and you <laughs> use that or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Whatever it is, you use uh, an Ellen Bit server of uh, some friend. Uh, maybe uh, maybe go back in time and use Ellen bot and lose your money that way. No, no, no. You can't withdraw Whatever. your money. But <laughs> yeah, you can't withdraw. Yes, because you, there's there's some sweet little lady actually <laughs> helping you do that. Jesus Christ! Well, you, I am I am the one doing the withdrawals. This sweet little lady, I don't know what she's doing. <laughs> she's there. She's her customer support, Jeff. Yeah, I asked I asked her why is she doing that. She, she just she just said she wants to do it because she's she's a sweet little lady. You should send her flowers or something. Yeah, I don't think she's a lady. I think she's a 
something else, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, obviously it's like some fat neckbeard dude, right? Because there are no sweet little ladies on the, in on the internet. It's like a cave troll or something. We don't, we don't know, but um, yeah. Um, so that was my prep. Well, um, we already filled the entire I episode. Think, I, th I think that um, Bitcoin... So the reason I started out with the first question um, is that we're in this, right? We're looking at Bitcoin continuously. We see the small incremental improvement thingies. But what's it like for the complete outsider that only interacts with Bitcoin on these signal moments of like the bull run? Mm. Right? What, what, how does, how, how has Bitcoin changed for those people? If you're just look at it once every four years. I don't know. I don't, I don't like to think of Bitcoin as like these cycles. People will talk about that just because they seen this, the cycles in the past. It doesn't, doesn't mean we will still have cycles forever. At some day, Bitcoin will. Yes, but that's not the point for Jeff. The point is that. Okay. I know. Point, I know that wasn't the question. Sorry. Yeah, I know. Uh, I don't know. I think I don't understand why why people are doing what 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 are these people? Why are not are not they in Bitcoin yet? I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> because they don't have a because they don't have enough money to have at least a million satoshis in a UTXO. Well, a lot of them have, <laughs> and they are they still not in Bitcoin. Yeah. Well, they're, they're getting into Bitcoin now because they can buy the ETF from BlackRock. Or uh, I think Hong Kong. There was there was some message about Hong Kong stuff, there, Bank of uh, whatever. There are all the ETFs. I think even Canada has an ETF. And that hasn't moved mm -hmm. the price at all. It's only the US that does stuff. In any event. Um, so yeah, I, I'm not sure that what I'm talking, what I've discussed here right now, is going to be relevant next cycle, but it's going to be relevant at some point. Yeah. Uh, um, so, because there is probably going to be a point where fees don't go, the mempool doesn't clear anymore, and fees don't go for to one set per V byte. Um, and what's your solution? Otherwise, you what's could your just wait for, for for buying coffee when you get to that point. What my solution yeah, would be for buying coffee with Bitcoin? Uh, the, the, there is there, there there is no there is no solution. It's just a fact of the system. Yeah, but we still have to buy coffee. Not me, I don't drink coffee, but people use me. Yes. Okay. Um. Yeah, custodial lightning <laughs> stuff. <laughs> That's what your answer. <laughs> okay. No, so it's like it's not even custodial lightning. It's just like custodial Bitcoin, and then the custodian uses lightning. Yeah. But the 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 fact your your channel is completely virtual, right? Um, it's just a silly accounting trick because there, there's no way that, that you can actually open the channels, right? Uh, what do you use to to buy beers on your Bitcoin meetup that has the lightning? Um, I I think I've tried everything. I've used LNTX bot a couple of times. That was the best choice. Uh, I yes, love, that was I indeed the best choice because then I, 
I used it. I, used, I just had to open ch Telegram and then like take a picture of the QR code and then it would read it and that would work. Yeah, it was great. It actually worked. So uh, yeah. No, it didn't um, work for me. I think my camera was very bad. So I I used <laughs> whenever I had to do that, which wasn't many times. I, I used like another QR code scanner and then I took the the output of that and pasted on Telegram. Um, let me think. Uh, yeah, I, I, I've used a couple of things. I don't, I'm not sure if I've ever used, no, I, I don't think I've used my own <laughs> node because I, I had my own lightning node in 2018. Uh, so I don't think I ever used it on that meetup. So yeah, that's, that's part of what I'm saying. Like people are getting, people are leaving lightning, normal people like you and me. I used to have two nodes. Now I only have one, but I, I want to shut it down. I don't want. I don't want to do this that anymore. <laughs> I, I prefer yeah, to well. use a custodian, but I, I think we should do a, a better thing instead of just using custodian. Lightning like could have a better, trusted solution. But yeah, maybe I don't know. Um, okay, I have another topic. Yeah. Yes. Okay. What's the other topic? If scriptions. Have you seen that? Oh, maybe we should talk about my tweet about the, the computers. Now that, ah, okay. now that no one is listening to you. Or if scriptions. Check the link I sent you. Someone copied. You sent me something. Someone copied inscriptions into Ethereum. To Ethereum? Yeah, as if Ethereum already didn't have a, a million NFT streams. And the if scription stuff is just, it's, it's just made in the most dumb way. It's just copying. The, the ordinary stuff and it is not even compatible with all the other NFT stuff that they had and they had standards of how to transfer NFTs and the wallets implemented that uh -huh. so they made a new thing called inscriptions trying to capture the hype of ordinary inscriptions and this is not compatible with all the, the other the rest of the Ethereum stuff I don't understand what these people are doing it's just a money grab or something like I get it. How to transfer inscriptions? They they can't do the original stuff because they don't have a Satoshi voting around. They only have accounts. Right. So I don't know how they. Right. That was the, that was going to be my first question. Is like, is that even possible? Because they have like an account based system. And that and that that was what I was thinking of. It's like, can you even follow that stuff with an account based system? Maybe I'm not sure. Um, okay. Oh, you really want make, to talk about this? Make the inscription, uh, and then you get the inscription ID, which is the transaction ID that created the inscription. And then you make transactions of zero Ethereum to the new, to the other account. And you include the, the, the inscription ID in your transaction data somehow. That's how you transfer the the if scriptures. <laughs> this is so stupid. Okay, next topic. <laughs> okay, so we're gonna talk about computers. Okay. Or we can uh, end the podcast so here. Okay, let's talk about computers. So it's your tweet. So go ahead. Well, someone posted a a video of a computer from the 
year 2000 running Windows NT, but then he, he did the same computer running Windows Windows 2000, I think, which is after NT. And in both cases, all the apps open instantly. It's like the, he clicks and the things open in the screen. And today, all the apps they take a while to load and then they load the loading screen and the thing that starts spinning and after 5 seconds, 20 seconds, how many seconds you want then the app shows up that's, that's the thing so it's uh, I think I think this is a fascinating fascinating subject um, <laughs> No, I do. I, I do think it's fascinating because it's like, okay, what what it's actually what is actually going on here, right? I I have sent you the mother of all um, tech demo video thing. Yeah. Didn't we discuss this on a podcast already? No, we did not. Oh, okay. So there is this clip of a tech demo of what is it? Nineteen sixty four. A clip is a, a ninety minute. Yes. Okay. It's it's one and a half hour presentation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It's a one and a half hour presentation of, I think it's a, so the subject is user interfaces, I think. Um, I'm really going off memory here. And I think it's 1964. 1968. it's from, oh, 1968, yeah. excuse me. <clears throat> I think it's from the people who also invented the mouse uh, as a concept um, and the tool to interface with computers uh, instead of just typing and they are giving a demonstration as to what is possible with computers um, and they basically show everything so it's it starts out with you can type stuff something and then you can select stuff and then you can copy it and you can paste it and you can cut and you can put it into rows and then you can copy rows and you can sort the rows and all the basic data manipulation stuff you can do and then somewhere later on they start to uh, interactively work on the same document so there's another dude on another computer in another room and they work in the same document uh, at the same time in real time and then they're like okay well let's have a conversation and then they have like an audio a voice uh, uh, conversation while they're working in the same document and then they're like, oh, maybe you want to see each other. And then they also have like uh, a video. Uh, so they basically have a video call while they're working in the same document. So this is like the, the Microsoft Teams stuff or whatever the um, uh, package of software tools you're using to do to do these type of things uh, in 2023. And they did that in uh, 1968. And it's kind of mind blowing. Uh, because there there was a very long time between that point of 1968 and actual like graphical user interfaces like Windows that we know and then even a longer step to uh, where we're actually massively using these types of, of, of utilities uh, on computers so then the question comes up it's like what 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 happened why? why? Why if a couple of guys can make a, uh, a, a one and a half hour demo um, decades ago doing all this stuff um, and did it take so long for it to be there now massively 
uh, for like a mass population, <laughs> and why does it? Why why does that? Why does it suffer? Suck, right? Because Microsoft Teams just sucks. It's absolutely <laughs> horrible. It's slow. Well, but there are there it are better just, things than the Microsoft Teams. I think. Whatever, but it's Microsoft Teams is big. Okay. A lot of people, a lot of businesses, a lot of a lot of people use Microsoft Teams. So. Well, what happened? And um, this is in the same vein of like, why is why is software so shitty? <laughs> I don't know. I think that the explanations are different. I think the explanation you gave for why it took so long to to do these things, to have these things today, is was that mostly that thing was like hard coded to that demo and scaling that to multiple developers in a different uh, in not a well-controlled environment in a way that's like there is separation of of, of labor like some people can work on the operating system and mm -hmm. other people can work on the platform different stuff and and that's and like multiple programs can do similar things and there, there are a lot of programmers instead of like a five programmers doing all the things the same thing in the, in the computer design for that and that that thing takes a while maybe and also the result is not as good as it could be if you put the folks at the foot but also the, the result is also much more flexible these are the things yep. you said right yes correct but that doesn't explain the... why apps take so long to load today they did not in it does it does because it's an increase in overhead due to um uh an increase in abstraction layers in order to facilitate in every every wave of facilitation of new programmers and and stuff is the introduction of new abstraction layers which just increases overhead I, I'm sometimes when I'm like half asleep and I'm dreaming I have like these Tron Tron type dreams of like you're in in the circuit you know the movie Tron or the the story Tron hmm. do you know it no I didn't watch that oh uh, okay <laughs> well anyway so you're it's like you're inside the 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 circuits of the computer right of the of the CPU and I'm and then I'm just trying to imagine what these compute cycles actually consist of and like how many fucking useless <laughs> compute cycles are actually occurring to do some super basic function right yeah. and if you and, and you're at that scale and time slowed down because we have we have like clock speeds of let's say three megahertz or it's gigahertz right is it, is it gigahertz or what megahertz how many hertz is it what's the i don't know clock speeds are at gigahertz right yeah they are yes yes so so it goes like at three gigahertz. That's what that's the clock speed of the computer, and you have like. But if you would if you actually, if you would slow it down, and it would be like one hertz, and you'd experience that, and it like it took an age, to just do like a simple addition, and you can see, like these transistors going changing state right every clock cycle. Do you have these rings? And you can just. <laughs> yes, and then you can you can just see that it's actually doing fuck all 
and it's just move it's it's like they're just changing state but they're not actually doing the thing that they're supposed to do and they're it's like happening in this very convoluted way in order to eventually do the simple of addition of one plus one is two right and that's what it's that is what is occurring in your inside of your computer at breakneck yeah. speeds <laughs> over and over and over and over again but it's just so fast that you well you we do notice because the programs are actually loading slower than they used to yeah uh noticeably but yeah that's that i guess i guess that's what that's what's occurring it's just more levels of abstraction and there there is some bullshit involved so you have like these low code pro, pro, uh, low code platforms are you aware of them yes yes so and the sales pitch of low code platforms is to like the managers and, and whatever people who don't actually understand is that it makes programming easier so now everybody with a heartbeat can do like three weeks of training and now they're 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 a useful program three weeks right i think if three weeks of yeah, training whatever. you become the best programmer in your yes okay it's like <laughs> three hours so after three hours of training of three yeah. hours of tutorial then you're you're like a rock star programmer right your productivity is like times a million well because of these local platforms no, but i, I think i and think that's okay i think that's okay if you, if you want to do a small tool for you or for your company and things that won't be used a lot but when when the, the stuff goes through like programs that are going to be uh, deployed to, to millions of people i think people should we should have more more like performance aware programming stuff on that but i think we don't like i think the programmers that are that had more than three hours of training they apparently know what they're doing but actually they are they don't actually they are doing they're writing code that is completely inefficient yes so that's the point that i was trying to make is that it's a lie so the, the low, low code platforms platforms are fine because they can actually accelerate the pro productivity of a group good programmer right if you're a really good programmer, you're probably a lot more productive inside of these low-code platforms. I'm not sure about that. Than you would be if you... <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure about that. Because you have to learn that too. Yes, but once you've learned it and you've mastered the tool, let's say. Yeah, I think it can help for in some cases, but not in all cases. For some things you have to, to go to the actual operating system or something. But... Do, do do you know the game Roller Coaster Tycoon? Yes, I do know. Yes, so that game is entirely written in assembly. <laughs> apparently. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And it looks great. Yeah, I think most, most of like the games nice of, from the, that time or before that, they were written in assembly. No, 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 no. No, this was... It was uh, the the programmer. He was an assembly programmer. I guess this one is too late time, for, for what I'm talking about. I think was the yeah, 80s, so, uh, low 90s, maybe the assembly. Yeah, correct. But this was later. So it, it was it was only because he was like an assembly programmer that he he still bothered to do to write it in assembly. But at that time, it already passed on to uh, to to like these software languages uh, and and compilers and stuff. No, so. And it, it looks great, 
it's like this isomorphic pr perspective, so it looks kind of 3D-ish. Um, you can switch perspectives actually, so you can alternate to the four perspectives on the on, on the map. And every visitor of your theme park has like its own emotions and preferences and uh, uh, pocket money and own behavior and routes that it walks and all this type of stuff. It's very complicated. Um, it's very sophisticated. Looks great, and it ran like a motherfucker. It ran on every fucking computer out there <laughs> at the time. Every computer could run Roller Coaster Tycoon. Are you? Are, are, is there an air raid going on? Is is Brazil being bombed? Do we have to? Do we have to call the special forces? <laughs> Yeah, send the money. Is there murder <laughs> happening? There's murder happening on the streets. Is there a hostage situation? What's going on? Um, so no, the um, uh, so so the question that I the reason that I bring it up is like you're saying is like okay, it needs to be uh, um, or you can be aware of uh, um, Trans efficiency. Tycoon is also in the same way, right? Probably. Uh, I think so. I think it's the same guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, like, what is the answer? Is the answer actually writing everything in assembly? Well, I don't think the... Well, I, like, I think we can, we can fuck, see... A... Fuck CPUs. I think we can... No, no, no. It, like, yeah. fuck CPUs. Everything needs to be written in hardware design languages. <laughs> everything straight down to the metal. Asic well, I just, uh, my, my point is probably just that that uh, we need like because people worry about the UX of the program, so they try to make it look good and they try to make the best loading spinner they can find. So people, while they're waiting for the program to load, they look at the pretty spinner, but they don't real they don't think at all about making the thing a little faster. And I think that improves the UX okay, much so more than making a button flash when you click or whatever because <laughs> these things also so, add to the overhead of clicking yes yeah. you want to you want the button to, yes. to do something yeah oh, so, so this is one one aspect that we didn't talk about i think that's also very significant is just sheer resolution of things so like graphics right you cannot get around that i mean it, it just it, things are bigger files are bigger hmm. that's a stupid thing with video games like they're they're tens and tens of gigabytes yeah that's and true. that's mostly just because of the, the 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 assets and the graphics involved and the resolutions that it has to account for um so yeah okay that's that's also an aspect probably that contributes that's true I had to the things that I you have fancy buttons yeah. Um, yeah but but i think the fact that computers got faster should account for for that right for the most part yes yeah. so this is this is an interesting thing with um so as you you gave a um <laughs> this is very this is a very interesting listening experience for our audience <laughs> what? <laughs> so you you gave a, a bit of a summary of what my uh, uh of what i already mentioned on this uh topic in the chat before it's like you have to account for all these programmers and coming in and uh, making it easier and like these layers of abstraction and overhead and stuff um shit now i forgot what i wanted to say 
Yeah, I forgot what I wanted to say. Um, but I do have another aspect. So I'm not a programmer. I cannot even write a single line of code in any language. I can't. I. I don't. I cannot hello world for the life of me. <laughs> um, so my question to you is. If you look at what the capacities are with uh, ChatGPT, I don't know. Have you played around with ChatGPT before? Uh, before? And yes. Writing code with uh, yes, I did. Writing code with ChatGPT. Okay. So it on its own, it's probably not good enough, and you probably need to have some interface with an IDE. But um, once you have that, why not just write everything in assembly? Hmm. Well. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think we will ever get to that point. But if we do, I, I saw some people like what? What's that guy from Wolfram Alpha? Uh, yeah, that, that guy was saying this but that all all computing was will, no no one will write stuff in flow level optimization stuff anymore because we can delegate that to to the AI. But I don't think we'll get to that. But yeah, that's an interesting idea. Maybe like you write some no, code, so the, the, you, you can write some code that is... Well, what compilers do is actually translate what you did to, to assembly. Yes, but now it's like on steroids, right? So now you're, you're, you're just writing natural language, describing what the functions ought to be. And then you're not even throwing it through a compiler anymore. You're just the, the thing writes it in bare uh, assembly. Yeah, that could be a possibility. That, that's that's a compiler, right? But it would be a much more intelligent mm -hmm. compiler. Uh, because you're not restricted to the... So the problem, I guess, it's very interesting because I'm like, wh why am I talking about this shit? What, what the fuck do I know? But um, I, I guess there is... Because you're within a programming language, um, you... It's like formal and constrained. So you have these contrived translations of what is your, your the syntax you're using in writing the code and then the compiler translating it to machine language um, uh, that there are some inefficiencies there that you don't have if you would actually translate from natural language and then well, you, writing it in assembly from scratch what happens is that when you write on a, um, a high level language the compiler mm -hmm. doesn't know what you're trying to do, so it has to account for all the possibilities. Like, uh, for example, if you have a garbage collection thing, that means you're writing on a high-level language, you're not managing memory, so you mm -hmm. have to run something on the side of the main stuff you're writing that keep, tries to keep track of memory and has to account for all the possibilities of how you, where do you want memory and where you do not want the memory anymore, so it tries to get the memory back, and that's a lot of overhead. And there's also the typing stuff, like you, you don't know the sizes of the, when you're writing a high-level programming language, you don't know the sizes of the variables, you don't know the types of the variables, and you need like some interpreter, interpreter running on the side, and that has to try to guess all the time what's the, what are the, the types of these things, the size of the variables. Where on where on earth on the memory everything is, and if you do it, if you did it on assembly directly, you would specify that directly on the code, and you wouldn't have yeah. to have these side processes 
keeping track of all the little mistakes you could have made because the AI could the AI could write everything directly on assembly, knowing your intentions and knowing knowing ahead of time what right. are all the possibilities that you want uh, that you have in your, your anyway. I think no one is no one is following. Yeah, so the, yeah. The, the, yeah, so that's the hypothesis, right? And then you you probably have to do some iterations in order to specify it more. But that that would be the 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 hypothesis yeah. that uh, going on. Yeah, that's that's a great idea. Um, I think I think this podcast has innovated in something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I don't think I don't think the, 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 I can do that. I don't think. Uh, well, I I don't know. It's like. The, the the chat GPT that you're using is not optimized in in writing assembly, right? But you can optimize it in writing assembly. You can just use the model you have right now and then uh, add to it. How can you check? And then if it's doing correct things, you so well, you run you run the code. You run the code. Yeah. And you you run tests on the code. Yeah. You do all the stuff that you'd normally do, and you, you you can create an IDE. So what you're so you 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 create a develop developing environment that has like the formal rule sets and and some strictness to it in order to do the the, the assembly stuff, but um, the the AI is just an interface for an interface for your natural language and the formal environment of the uh, the IDE. So you no longer have to function within the formal strict syntax environment of the of, of the code anymore. That's what the 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 AI does for you. Yeah. And you just ask it. It's like okay, write tests for all these subcomponents that it actually does what I want it to do, uh, and run them and see if it actually does that. And, uh, and you still need a high level. Make sure language. that the comments in the code are like sufficient and etc. Something like that. Yeah. And then the next question I have is then does it make more sense to go to a uh, risk environment? It's so like on an instruction set level, like go to like risk environment where it's like you don't specify a lot of instructions. You keep it simple and it's compatible. Everything you do is just compatible with everything or you're going like hyper specific and go like go x86 on 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 steroids because you're able to actually use or the ai is smart enough to use all these different opcodes that are available to you yeah, i think you can do that too. and then you do a different build for each for each system for each device yes yeah, so you can just specify it's like i have this computer yeah create the code in such a way that it just runs on this system I'm I'm not sure which what, what what way is logical because I I can see some sense in both, but then again it's like if you ask me we can just destroy CPUs entirely. <laughs> What's the point of CPUs? <laughs> Seriously. Well, we, like why have a why, why have why have a Neumann ar architecture if we can just specify everything? Well, you, you we end need, up we no longer need the general CPU. the universal. <laughs> hmm? Well, you end up recreating something that. Uh, for example, such that you can run these tests. 
you need the test in an understandable language. <laughs> so you can check if the thing is working. So you still need a high-level language to write the test. Yes, but then we're using the... No, so we're using the CPU and the and high-level language as a staging ground. And then we move yeah, off of it. Yeah, for the normal people, for the users, you can just... get rid of that, probably. So then we, we just, we no longer need to use, so. That's where we get to the, to the universal or That's where we get to the science scenario that there are programs everywhere and everything works. Like everything has, because <laughs> <laughs> if you imagine that today, imagine someone making those visual things and you touch with your hands and things move. <laughs> those things will be we had so many bugs on them and would need there's no input lag or anything <laughs> yeah i think that's only ai that can program these things if we, if we try to do it today it would take such a huge amount of work and it would still have bugs on. <laughs> so there you got a blue screen on death on, on death on your hologram stuff yeah i remember that <laughs> i remember that google glass that they did you remember that that they mm -hmm. put like a guy waking up and having the coffee and the google glass would say a bunch of nice things everything would work the guy would leave his house and do something and would have a nice nice song playing and then they did one with windows <laughs> <laughs> and the glass just showing errors <laughs> Although I, I have to say, it's that uh, Windows has become a lot less buggy for a long time. Except now. for playing StarCraft. StarCraft runs better on Linux now. Maybe. I, I don't know. I, I have most of the problems with Battle.net, to be honest. Battle.net, you There's mean that that's some weird stuff that's going external on. app that you have to run in order to... No, it's, it's, it's if I join a game... I have to wait. Sometimes I just have to wait like a minute before I actually enter the lobby. No, I have to wait half a minute before I enter the lobby. And then when I've entered the lobby, I have to wait another half a minute before I'm actually there. Even though it shows that I'm there. Because you guys are like, oh, he joined. It's like, why is he not moving himself to observer? Why is he not picking? Why is he not picking a race? It's like, well, because I'm not actually there. <laughs> well, on my Linux, it doesn't have that problem. And also, the, the Windows computer that I used before is Windows 7. I think it's because I'm not... Windows 7. I, I think they're throttling... I think they're throttling everybody who's not running remasters. I really... Yeah, it could be. I think that's what's happening. There's one, one of like, the guys who are not running Pay your remasters. 10 bucks. So, I, I'm going to buy a remaster for you. <laughs> And then I get rid of my my the favor I owe you because you bought the microphone. I actually yes, I don't know you I don't know it. if I'm using the correct microphone now because I think the sound is coming from the headphones and not from the mic the table microphone. But I don't know how to check. So that. you're you're not using the right mic. I think I'm not. Okay, you can just see where it gets the input from in Audacity. Well, it's saying audio one. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's very useful. Okay, well, um, we'll see. 
what the what the sound quality is like. At least we had a very interesting dynamic <laughs> ambiance. Yeah. Well, there was a lot going on. Well, it's it's the same. People got it's the murdered. Same setup from the last week, uh, so should be as bad as usual. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Um, well, we'll see what the future of uh, of information technology and, and computer hardware and systems uh, uh, will have for us. The most important thing is make sure that at the very least have a million Satoshis <laughs> in your UTXO. Yeah. And never open lightning channels. Just use a custodian. Okay. Okay.